Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, so, you know, poor Jacob, you thought he was going to die soon. All these words of personal presence, protection, purpose, permanence were all words of personal comfort. They were all extremely comforting to Jacob. Personal comfort is what the Lord would bring. As he said, he was going to do in Isaiah 61 too, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort, to comfort all that mourn. See, God's described that way. He says, I, he says he's going to comfort all that mourn. That's the description of God from 2 Corinthians 1.3. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. See, God looks at all of our personal problems, and he brings us personal comfort. And he wants us to bring personal comfort to others as he describes in 2 Corinthians 1 4. 2 Corinthians 1 4 says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. See, that's what all these words were to Jacob words of personal comfort, great personal comfort. So when God said to Jacob that he'd be with him, we can just imagine Jacob saying, I just heard God, is, behold, God is with me, God with me. That's a wow, that's a real wow. Behold, I am with thee. You know, Jacob say, you know, I just heard God. He said he was gonna be with me. You know, God didn't just say, you know, I have a very reliable angel over here. His name is Gabriel. I, I trust him for everything. He's, I'm dispatching him. Gabriel, Jacob, stick with them. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, wow. God said, he's gonna be with me. That's the greatest comfort of all. God says, he himself's gonna be with me. Wow, that's something. And we can hear Jacob say that because the Lord Jesus Christ said the same thing to us. In John 14, 18, John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. Yeah, so what are you gonna do? I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. See, that's what I love about Wednesday night prayer meeting because Wednesday night prayer meeting is like a pit stop in the middle of the week. You know, it's a, the car's pretty rough. You got to pull it off the course, you know. It's a time when we all feel, I feel, particular need for comfort. And as soon as Irene sees me, she feels a particular need for comfort. <laughs> and God never fails to comfort from his presence at that meeting. Just as he said in Matthew 18.20, Matthew 18.20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. 
See, Jacob's out there all alone in the middle of the desert, and he couldn't have felt more alone, far from his father's house, with no friend to keep company with him at night, no servant to take care of him, but with God's presence in verse 15, to be with Jacob, he had so much more. See, with God's presence, Jacob had more than his family in his father's house. With God's presence, Jacob had more company than any friend could have given him. With God's presence, Jacob had more care than any servant could have taken care of him. So what we see happening to Jacob in the desert when God comforted Jacob with these words is a prophecy of what's gonna happen to Israel as it says in Hosea 2.14. Hosea 2.14 says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness. I have no idea why the translators ever use this word wilderness. It's mitbar, and mitbar means desert. I will bring her into the desert and speak comfortably unto her. That literally, al lev, lev. Al, to, like el al, to, lev, heart. I will speak to her heart. Whose heart? Israel's heart. It was God who brought Jacob into a desert of desolation and made Jacob ready to meet Jehovah Jesus. It will be God who will bring Israel, the Jewish people, into a desert of desolation and make the Jewish people ready to meet Jehovah Jesus. See, Jacob was forsaken by every friend, as we said. Every friend he had here on earth, he was forsaken, and that made Jacob ready to meet Jehovah Jesus. And the Jewish people, Israel, is gonna be forsaken by every friend, by every nation friend that she has on earth. As it says in Joel 3.2, Joel 3.2 says, I will, I, God speaking, I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will do it, God says. Zechariah 14.2, Zechariah 14.2 says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So just as Jacob was ready in the desert of his desolation to hear the words of Jehovah Jesus, I am the Lord thy God, so Israel will be ready in the desert of desolation to hear the words of Jehovah Jesus as he says, I am the Lord God Jesus whom you crucified. As it says in Zechariah 12.2, Zechariah 12.2 says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitterness for his firstborn. See, just as Jacob, he heard God speak great words of comfort to him in the desert, So the Jewish people are gonna hear God speak great words of comfort to them in the desert of their desolation when every nation's gonna fight against them. And now we read in verse 16, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, surely the Lord's in the place I knew it not. See, when we read these words, Jacob awaked out of his sleep, that triggers something. Jacob awaked out of his sleep. Just capture that. I mean, we long for the day for the Jewish people when they'll awake out of their sleep. You know, oh, for the day, 
when the Jewish people will be like Jacob and awake out of their sleep of rejecting their God and Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to them as his own, as one of their own. See, over the day when Jacob is going to wake out of their sleep of fighting Christians like the summer blitzers on Jewish outreach across the country who are working so hard, so relentlessly to do what? Bring them the gospel. And they've just passed their halfway mark for the 12-week campaign. I'm sure they're happy with that. And they've also passed the half-million-door mark of knocking on over 500,000 doors. And one of the group leaders, which you can read about in the handout, one of the group leaders of a girls' team wrote in this week's report, are we tired? Nah, (laughs) my girls are the hardest workers ever. No matter what happens, angry cops, Jews, managers, neighbors, even getting injured, they never stop. (laughs) I'm so thankful for my group. We're so excited to see what God will do next using our lives to spread his word. Another girl on the Summer Blitz campaign wrote this, and you see this in there. So I've mastered to knock around 60 doors per day and was able to get into a gated community and watch my partner struggle to climb out of the gate because they wanted to lock her in. (laughs) Ran away from a black car who ended up recording us and describing us to the cops. Having the police park and follow us around the neighborhood while we tried running away. Oh, and my sandwich melted in my backpack. (laughs) And I've come home only to realize that I've gotten around 15 mosquito bites while using repellent. Talk about off spray, more like on spray. (laughs) Anyways, today was absolutely exciting, and I can't wait to do this every day this summer for 12 weeks. (laughs) What a team God has raised up for this summer suburb blitz. What a team they have. To endure like Paul, 2 Corinthians 11.26. 2 Corinthians 11.26 says, in perils by mine own countrymen. And 1 Thessalonians 2.14. 1 Thessalonians 2.14 says, for ye also suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. If you don't want to read the whole thing today, just look at the last page of pictures from the girls' teams on the Summer Blitzers report this week. Those pictures tell the whole story as you see exhausted girls falling asleep against car doors as they bring the gospel to the Jewish people, as you see exhausted girls laboring with Bible in hand, showing a Jewish person that Jesus is God. You see exhausted girls at a table eating together for physical strength while pouring over the scripture together for spiritual strength. Why are those girls so exhausted? Because the Jewish people make it hard on them. Why are they fighting against them? They are fighting against them as they resist the message that Jesus is their God and Messiah. Why? Why did the Jewish people fight those summer blitzers and make life miserable for them as all the summer blitzers, what are they doing? They're just pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're proclaiming the simple words of Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 says, behold your God. Why? Because the Jewish people are asleep as to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is their God. Because Jacob is asleep. And we long for this verse 16, Jacob awaked out of his sleep. We long for the day we won't need any summer blitzers because the earth will be filled with Jewish blitzers (laughs) carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. We long for verse 16, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep and the Jewish people would say, now, now what were those summer blitzers doing and saying? That's our job. 
We're the Jewish blitzers. We'll carry the gospel to every door. What a day that's going to be when Jacob awakes out of his sleep. And we can just imagine with Jacob here in this case, when he woke up that morning, he says, what a dream I had. Oh boy, what a dream. And as soon as he wakes up, he knew exactly what he was impressed with, which is verse 16. What was it? All the things he saw. Was it the ladder? The in- No, the Lord is in this place. That's what impressed him. He was shocked to find out the Lord was in that place. He thought the Lord was back in Beersheba. How could the Lord be there? But he found that out. God can be at two places. So he thought, Jacob thought, well, I left. I'm kind of hidden from God. Sort of hadn't hidden from God. I'm in a secret place out here in the middle of the desert from the Lord. The Lord won't see me. That's a deception. That man thinks that he can hide in secret places and the Lord won't see him. Man goes into bars. Man goes into forbidden bedrooms. He thinks that he can hide himself in those secret places. The Lord won't see him. There's no secret places that man can hide himself in where and God doesn't see. Jeremiah proclaimed that message to Israel when he said in Jeremiah 23, 24, Jeremiah 23, 24 says, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? That's what shocked Jacob. Find out, he couldn't hide himself in a secret place in the desert, and so he says, I knew it not. The Lord's here, I knew it not. And then it says in verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how dreadful this place. This is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob was afraid. Why was Jacob afraid? I mean, after all, he just heard God say, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to not leave you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bring you back safe. What's there to be afraid about? Why is he afraid? Because Jacob had just seen God who was holy. Jacob has just seen the God who was holy, holy, holy. And all Jacob could think about himself was, I'm unholy, unholy, unholy. He's holy, holy, holy. I'm unholy, unholy, unholy. Jacob's impressed with his own sinfulness. So the statement, he was afraid, it stands as a warning to every lost sinner outside the Lord Jesus Christ because that statement, verse 17, he was afraid, describes how every lost sinner is gonna feel when they die and they stand before God in judgment. That will be the ultimate fear, and he was afraid. That will be the ultimate fear and awareness of being absolutely exposed and naked, as it says in Hebrews 4.13. Hebrews 4.13 says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Naked and opened, naked and exposed, no covering for sin, no atonement, no forgiveness, no Lord Jesus as a Savior. That's the ultimate terror of fear, of standing alone in judgment. That is an eternal state of fear and terror. This state is described in verse 17 when he says, and he was afraid. It's typical of those who saw the Lord. That same fear happened to Hannah's husband when he saw the Lord, and he said in Judges 13.22, Judges 13.22 says, and Manoah said unto his wife, we shall surely die because we've seen God. That same fear happened to Isaiah when he saw the Lord, and he said in Isaiah 6.5, Isaiah 6.5 says, Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean lips, a people unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Same fear happened to Job. He said in Job 42, 5 through 6, Job 42, 5 through 6 says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's what Peter said when he saw the holiness of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Luke 
5, 8, Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, then Jacob announces to himself, this is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. He makes this proclamation in verse 17. What a statement. This is none other than the house of God, Bethel. Bethel. How could a place in a desolate desert with stones for a pillows, how could that be transformed into the house of God? Doesn't look like the house of God. Looks pretty rough out there, like El Centro and other places. Which brings us to a more personal question. How could our house be transformed into a house of God? Because of what Jacob said in verse 16. The Lord is in this place. That makes it a house of God. Because of what it says in verse 13. And the Lord said. See, what makes a place out there in the desolate desert a house of God? Verse 16, surely the Lord's in the place. Verse 13, the Lord said, whatever place the Lord is in, whatever place the word of God is heard, that place becomes a house of God. See, how can our homes become a house of God? By making it a place where God's word is heard and then God comes to. By making our homes a place where thoughts do not make the holy God uncomfortable to be there. By making our homes a place where words and actions do not make the holy God uncomfortable to be there. By making our homes a place where the music does not make the holy God uncomfortable to be there. By making our homes a place where the television does not make the holy God uncomfortable to be there. By making our homes a place where what is looked at on the internet does not make God uncomfortable to be there. By making our homes a place where thoughts and actions and words and musics make the holy God comfortable to be there. Making our homes a place where the word of God is heard and listened to and meditated on and obeyed. Then we can say about our homes, verse 17, this is none other but than the house of God. See? And Jacob says further about the place in verse 17, this is the gate of heaven. He didn't just say the place was only the house of God. He said, this is the gate of heaven. Well, what did Jacob mean? This is the gate of heaven. And in Jacob's dream, he, he looked up the top of the ladder. What did he see up there? He saw the Lord. What was the Lord doing? Speaking. See, Jacob saw Jehovah Jesus when he looked up the top of the ladder. And he said, he looks up and he says, I see the gate of heaven. See, the most tragic scene of the gate of heaven is a gate that's closed. That's tragic. And that's what most will see when they look at the gate of heaven because they'll see the Lord as the gate of heaven. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, at that day, have not we prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? And then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Go away. Depart from you that work iniquity. See, they all come to the gate of heaven wanting to enter in, and they see a closed gate because they believe the fatal lie. The fatal lie is that your own works will result in heaven's gate being open for you. And they'll find that their own works can in no way open heaven's gate. And Jacob said, this is the gate of heaven. And what Jacob saw was the Lord standing at the top of the gate. And Jacob saw the Lord of heaven behind him. He saw the Lord and then heaven behind him. And when Jacob saw the Lord and heaven behind him, Jacob said, it's the gate of heaven there. And so the Lord is the gate of heaven. Jehovah Jesus is the gate of heaven, which is what the Lord Jesus meant when he said in John 10, 7, John 10, 7, then Jesus said unto them again, verily I say unto you, I'm the door of the sheep. 
John 10, 9. John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out, find pasture. John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 10, 1 through 2. John 10, 1 through 2. Verily I say unto you, he that entereth in, not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way. The same's a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd of the sheep, the Lord, he is the only gate to heaven. And we see Jacob now, he wants to memorialize such an important place. Verse 18, he rises up early in the morning, takes a stone, a pillar, sets it up. He's thinking, you know, this is, a, this is an important place. I'm going to be coming back here. He said I was going to bring, come back here. And I just happened to stumble onto the house of God, I guess. I don't know. And so but I got to remember this place. So he makes the consecration of it with the pillar. And then he names it. He said this place was loose. In verse 19, the house of God. And then he vows a vow, which we've looked at in the past. He vows a vow, and he says, you know, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, verses 20 through 22, bread to eat, raiment to put on, come again in peace to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Stone which I set up for pillow, this will be God's house. And all that I give, I'll surely give a tenth unto thee. Well, what we see in Jacob's vow is that he's not, first of all, it is entirely based on what God promised. Jacob vowed, he didn't pull something out and say, you know, if the Lord makes popcorn now, but it was, all, <laughs> it was all entirely based on the word of God. But he doesn't entirely believe. What one word in Jacob's vow tells you that Jacob is not convinced, he doesn't entirely believe, that's if, it's if, it's a big if, if. He didn't say when, he said if. So Jacob didn't entirely believe God is gonna be with him, and so he makes this deal with God. You know, as if Jacob said, now, God, as we talked about that, here's my final offer, negotiations have closed, you can take it or leave it, it's my final terms. Number one, you must keep me. Number two, you'll give me bread to eat. Number three, raiment to put on. Number four, I'll come again to my father's house of peace. If you do all those things, God, then the Lord will be my God, in verse 21. And you get 10% of what I have, in verse 22. And God said, oh, deal, great. Especially the 10%, because, you know, finance has been running a little low, and uh, really kind of need the money. So uh, if you can help me out, Jacob, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> what love God had to tolerate this. I mean, this deal, it's <laughs> 10%, you know. Let's see here, God. Does that make you hungry? <laughs> you know, this is like, what arrogance, what insolence, what absolute. But God says, God smiles and says, I love you. I'll, I'll bear with you. We'll get through this together. You'll become an Israel. <laughs> it's going to be rough, but it'll happen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your toleration. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. And just like the song says, Lord, if the ocean was filled with ink and, and the, every stock was a quill and the sky was a scroll to write the love of God, the sky could not contain the whole, even though the ocean would be drained. And Lord, that's what we see this morning, and we love you and worship you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. You're invited to Christmas Under the Stars at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, Saturday, December 12th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Activities for the entire family, including a live nativity, caroling candlelit museum tours, ornament making, cookie decorating, star exploration, and a special Star of Bethlehem message by guest Paul Taylor. Join us for this family-free Christmas event at the Creation Museum, 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org. Looking for an exciting career in the medical field or biotech industry? Join Scanabody's Biologics, founded by a Christian businessman, Tom Cantor. It's a premier company dedicated to advancing patient care and serving the community of San Diego. Scanabody's has global operations and over 700 employees and growing. And if you have a heart for people and a desire to join a leading biotech company, call us 619-258-9300, 619-258-9300, scanabodies.com, that's scanabodies.com.